0: All right. this morning I have a rhetorical question for you. In case you don't know what a rhetorical question is, it is a question I ask out loud. I don't expect an answer out loud, but I'd like you to at least contemplate it and consider what your answer would be. So the first question I have is, what if God asked you to do something that would cost you your reputation, your standing in the community, and your name? second question what if god sent a messenger and told you that some that something had taken place that was either impossible or at least improbable what your would your response be to that message we're going to take a look at a couple of people who have a response to those requests and message and to see their response. And so we find the first person is Mary, and we're going to find that in Luke. And it says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged and that word for us is a little misleading because when we think of engaged, we think somebody gets down on their knee, says, will you marry me? And she says, yes. And we put a, a ring on the finger and we say, I'm engaged. And we set a wedding for some date, which depending upon how eager and anxious the couple is, can be anywhere from a few weeks to a few years. And we have that kind of engagement. And the the more the couple... Uh, doesn't like commitment, the longer that engagement oftentimes is. But in this time, that this was, in the uh, King James Version, it calls betrothed. And even that doesn't give the true sense. It was like a, there was a marriage contract. You were, in essence, married, but you didn't come together to live as a couple yet. That was the final step in the marriage. But in order to separate and no longer be betrothed, engaged, you had to file for a divorce. So it was much different than it. So there was this legal process that this woman, Mary, who had been engaged, as it says, to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Now, I love this statement. We're going to see that Mary's kind of response later uh, by what Gabriel says, she kind of has the standard kind of response. Uh, She's at least intimidated, fearful of this angelic messenger. But even in that, she considers things. She's a thinker. She's just not someone who just, it's like, I understand that this is an angelic messenger, but that's, he didn't just didn't say, hi, Mary. It was, what, what is the meaning of it? And so automatically we see that Mary thinks about what is being told to her. And we'll see later when other people say things to her about her child or whatever, that she continues to ponder them. So Mary has always been, throughout the scriptures, a thinker. And so right away she's thinking, well, what does he mean by this greeting? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have found special grace. You have found uh, an appreciation by God. Uh, In our study of Daniel, we saw that every time the angel came to Daniel, he would say, you're a favored one. And so that's the greeting. So it's like, don't you don't need to be afraid. God holds you in a special position. So you don't need to be afraid. You have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Now the angel is announcing in essence, the Messiah is coming. What every, um, Hebrew woman has wanted to participate in, all the way back before there were Hebrews. All the way back when Cain and Abel, and and Cain killed Abel, and Seth was born, Eve said, perhaps this is the man that God has given, thinking of the redemption to be coming. And so when God made the promise to David that on the throne of David, there will never cease to be an occupant that they were always looking forward to this promise coming to pass. And Mary, being from the lineage of David, would qualify legally. But Mary understand, there's one obvious problem with this announcement. And Mary said to the angel... How can this be since I'm a virgin? Now, notice that this is a different question than what Zacharias did. When Zacharias was told by the angel Gabriel that his wife was going to bear a son and they were going to name him John, he said, How can I know this for certain? He had doubt. And that was the question. The question was, Can you reassure me of what you're saying is true? Mary is simply saying, I don't understand the process because the process is you're not to be a virgin to have a child. And most of you have gone to the appropriate classes to understand what I'm talking about. Okay. So she understands that she's not able to produce a child because she's a virgin. So she wants to know, I don't understand this. It's not that I doubt what you're saying. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy shall shall be called the Son of God. He's saying this child is going to be different. This child will be holy. This child will not be subject to the sin of Adam. That his birth is unique to all births. In order to do that, it requires a virgin. But the Holy Spirit will accomplish this. And then in order to reassure her, he says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. So the angel says, Your cousin Elizabeth, who was in advance of age, She was barren, and she's now six months pregnant. If God can do that, nothing is impossible for God. And He will accomplish this. Now, for her to say yes during this time in their culture will damage her reputation her position in the community, and even potentially her potential relationship with her espoused husband. For you see, back then, in that culture, it was considered immoral to have sexual relations outside of marriage. And for her, since she was Married in its sense. Any activity that would be outside of that would be considered adultery and the punishment potentially for adultery was at minimum divorce and maximum the death penalty. So God is asking a lot of Mary. To be used in this way. Notice what Mary says. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. She first acknowledges, I'm the vessel of God. I am his slave. Whatever he wants, I'll do. It's not about me. It's about him. I am his bond slave. May it be done to me according to your word she submits to the will of God, even though it may and will cost her, her reputation, her standing in the community and put at risk her marriage to the one she was betrothed to. Now, God is not going to ask you to play this whole event over again. But God does ask us to do things that may cause us to lose our reputation or standing in the community. Just being a believer, many people say, well, you know, science says there is no God and all that, and and belief in God is just a crutch, or or you're too ignorant to know better, or you just, whatever. You're a simpleton. You, you need God to explain things that you just don't understand. Or, he asks us to forgive. But I have a right to be angry. I have a right to hold a grudge. He tells us to forgive. He tells us to love our enemies he tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. He tells us, he commands us to love one another as he has loved us and given himself for us. Each of those things, people will wonder, well, why would you do that? Because that's not the way of the world. Yet that's what God has commanded of us. And our Response should be the same as Mary's. I am the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done according to his word. Verse 30, now, now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now remember, Elizabeth is her cousin. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how is it that it has happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Notice the response is not, How you doing, Mary? Good to see you. It's the response the Holy Spirit filled her and filled John and he leaped for joy and acknowledged that the baby that Mary was carrying in her womb was the Messiah, her Lord. She was carrying a baby. Mary was carrying the Messiah. And Elizabeth's response to that is not, oh, Mary, you're, this is going to be difficult. Oh, Mary, people are going to think it's terrible that you, that you are immoral. Her response is, blessed be you, and blessed be the fruit of your womb, and blessed be me that you've come that I might be, participate And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. She's saying, Mary, you were favored, but you were favored because you believed. And you were favored because you believed and you submitted. The third person is Joseph. And in Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, this tells me a couple of things about Joseph which is different than the typical thing that people think, especially the world, about righteous people. Usually they think righteous people are holier than thou and judgmental and can't wait for you to screw up so they can say, you're a terrible sinner, how dare you? Joseph, being a righteous man, instead of taking his legal right to say, she committed adultery, stone her, or I want a public divorce to shame her, says, how can we do this that doesn't disgrace her? Kind of a different response than when we think we've been wronged. And let's face it. He's reasonable in his conclusion that she was unfaithful. She's been gone a while. Actually, she'd been gone about three months. Luke tells us that she spent about three months with Elizabeth and then went home just before John was born. So during this period of time, Joseph decides that he needs to secretly divorce her. But when he had considered this Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now this took place to fulfill what was spoken of by the Lord through the prophet, that prophet being Isaiah. Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Mary has been faithful. The child that has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. It is a fulfillment of scripture. Remember how Isaiah says that a virgin shall have a child and they shall call him Emmanuel, God, with us. And therefore, Joseph, you can continue your life with Mary without any fear. Really highly improbable story. Yet it comes from the messenger of God. So, Joseph could say, I don't care what the scripture says. Other people might think badly. Or, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. Now, unfortunately, that's a response many of us today do. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, I don't care what the scripture says. Or they don't say it, they just Don't care what the scripture says. They just do what they're going to do. But Joseph does this. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. He responded to the message of God in faith. I mean, from the beginning of Adam and Eve until today. There's only been one virgin birth, but nothing is impossible with God. And Joseph, no matter what it might cost his reputation or that of his bride or that of his family, believed the messenger of God. The message of God today is that Jesus, this one who will save his people from their sins, is the one who has saved his people from their sins. And all that required of us is faith to accept the grace that has been offered to us have yeah, a pastor, you don't know how bad I've been or how bad I plan to be. It's grace. Yeah, but those church people are no better than me. You're right. They're probably worse. We're not talking about the standard of, of actions. We're talking grace and belief. God has said that if I put my trust in His Son, I will have eternal life. The world says all that there is to this life is this life. And if you don't do all the things and reach for all the gusto, you're going to lose out. I trust the Word of God. Because He said it. And there's one thing that's impossible for God. And that's the lie. And so if he says something, I can trust him and believe him. So Mary didn't need to have faith to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She submitted. Joseph needed to have faith that his bride was faithful And it was a child of the Holy Spirit and that this child would save his people from their sins. Mary frequently is, is talked about being blessed and she is. Unfortunately, there are denominations that place Mary on an inappropriate pedestal because she is not the mother of God. Jesus existed before Mary did. She was simply a vessel blessed and favored by God. Joseph gets not so much credit. But I see a man who, as the scripture says, who is righteous, who was forgiving and merciful and loving, who accepted in faith the word of God, and then acted appropriately. Can you imagine being the parents of the Son of God? I mean, it is an awesome responsibility to just care for a regular child. You know how awesome I know the responsibility is? Because parents usually don't think grandparents know what to do with children. They act as if they, their, the grandparents had no children to survive to adulthood because they tell you all the things you need to do and not do and whatever you go. Okay. I get it. And so I understand it's, it's an awesome responsibility. Does it care for the son of God? Both Mary and Joseph must've been pretty awesome people. And no wonder they were favored by God. But we can be awesome people too. By submitting to the will of God. And by having faith. And rejoicing when God does something. You see, Elizabeth didn't have the Messiah. She had the forerunner to the Messiah. We don't say, oh, gee, if I could have only been like Mary. But isn't that the response of most of us? If we can't have the main role, instead of rejoicing what God is doing in our lives to advance the kingdom, we say, how come I don't have a different role? But Elizabeth rejoices in what God is doing wherever God is doing it. And so... If God is doing something in a different church, in a different community, blessed be the name of the Lord. God does something in our church, blessed be the name of the Lord. There should be no jealousy. There should be no wishing different. But to simply say, Lord, whatever it is that you have us do, I'm your servant do as you please. And if his people in his churches did that, could you imagine how our community would be different? Could you imagine how our churches would be different? And could you imagine how we individually would be different? So this Christmas story isn't about Christmas. It's about what God does in the lives of individuals. 2,000 years ago and today. Because this one, who is known as the Son of God, is still, while we call him Jesus, still Emmanuel, God with us. Because the Word of God says, for those who believe, He dwells in us. He is with us. And the word of God says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And with that, we should be strengthened and comforted and emboldened. And all God's people said,